Okay, hello there. Um, so this is Crime and Wine with now just me, Rachel. Um, as some of you know, if you looked at the latest Instagram post, um, Lolly has decided not to continue with it, which is cool. Um, we're still gonna be friends. <laughs> um, she just can't do the commitment which is totally fine so I am taking over and this is going to be the the first and last time that I'm recording just on my own um from now on I'm just going to have different people um come on each week and talk about a crime murder uh war or whatever story they have crime related um that is of interest to them and um same layout as before just with new people every time and and I'll always be your host so um yeah today I wanted to I mean I had written up this story uh a couple of weeks ago and I just figured I should just tell it on my own for now and or not for now, just, I'm just gonna tell it on my own, and, um, yeah, it's a story that I should have known, um, but didn't until I read Malcolm Gladwell's book last summer, Talking to Strangers, um, and it's the case of Sandra Bland, so this was a huge, huge case back in, um, 2015, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know why I hadn't heard of it, but, um, I hadn't. Um, so if you haven't, it's okay. I'm going to tell you about it. Um, it's, it's really fucked up. I was actually just listening to, um, David Rudolph's, um, podcast with his David, uh, David Rudolph and what is his wife's name? Sonia Pfeiffer. Um, they are defense attorneys and, um, I will get briefly back into them later on, but here is the story. Hold on. Let me have a sip of wine. It's 5 10 PM. So I feel like it's okay. Um, okay. So Sandra Bland was a 28-year-old African-American woman from Naperville, Illinois. Um, Naperville is a suburb of Chicago, pretty affluent from from my memory because I have a girlfriend um, who is from there. Nobody asks. Nobody cares. Okay. Um, she's one of five sisters. Um, she went to Prairie View A&M University, and she graduated in 2009 with a degree in agriculture. After graduation, she returned to Illinois and worked for a food service equipment supplier, and she had been due to start a temporary job on August 3rd, 2015, back in Texas with Prairie View as a summer program associate. So she went to her undergrad in Texas, and she was about to head back there, okay? So now, it's January 2015. And Bland begins posting videos about police mistreatment of African Americans. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I will say I, I didn't know that the Black Lives Matter movement was even going on during 2015. Um, I'm 
yeah, openly saying that I, I was, I was unaware. I wasn't, I, I just, I, I should have known and my apologies. And, um, so in one post she writes in the news that we've seen as of late, you could stand there, surrender to the cops and still be killed. And this is 2015. And so now it's 2021 and like, it's just still happening. Um, it just, yeah. Um, she was described as a civil rights activist in Chicago and part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, she had at least 10 previous, you know, traffic encounters with police in Illinois and Texas and had been charged five times for driving without insurance, four times for speeding, and once each for driving while intoxicated and drug possession. And her final conviction was for shoplifting in which she owed $7,579 in unpaid fines. Now, I'm not sure if her being pulled over, or I'm sure that a bunch of the reason she was pulled over simply probably was just racial profiling because I've been pulled over, I think just twice in my life, once let go and another time just for speeding and they just let me like they gave me a ticket but they just let me go um I can't imagine just always just you're just driving and you're just getting pulled over just for the color of your skin is is just disgusting so so yeah okay sorry getting off track so she's you know down in Texas um now she's about to start her her new job so Let's side note and let me tell you about a man called Brian Insignia. So at the time of the incident, which I'm going to get into, obviously, um, Brian was 30 years old um, and he's of Hispanic descent. And he graduated from Texas A&M University in 2008 with a degree in agricultural leadership and development. Um he had a history of performing pretextual traffic stops, having issued 1,600 uh, traffic stops, mostly minor, in less than 12 months, using the pretext of little enforced minor infractions to then perform random searches in the hope of finding something criminal, which I don't know how, I just don't get it. I, I don't know how they can, how, how they can do that. Um, so getting back to the defense attorney, um, David Rudolph, he was uh, the defense attorney for um, Michael Michael Peterson in uh, the Staircase uh, trial, which some of you, prob- probably everybody knows about because there was that documentary on Netflix about it called Same Name, The Staircase. Um, and he said that, you know, these police officers only require four to six months of training. That's it. Then you're a cop. You carry a gun you don't get any kind of training on de-escalation it's just you know the protect and serve doesn't really I mean of course there's there's good cops but you know I think a lot of them from my dad had a police officer friend and um you know they have to fill a quota so every month I think they have to make x amount of you know, if you're a traffic cop, you have to make X amount of um, stops. So I think at some point you're just looking for anything to pull somebody over. Um, it, it shouldn't be you have to fill a quota. It should just be you pull over people who are breaking the law and, and that's it. So that's that. Um, so um, Insignia, um, 
So he, he likes to do random searches and hopes that he finds something criminal. So on July 10th, 2015, Insignia spots Bland and begins accelerating really fast behind her. She's, she's driving down the street. Okay. He starts speeding up behind her so quickly, um, that he forces her to just like immediately change lanes to give him the right of way. Cause she believes that he has an emergency call. So she's, she knows she sees this cop pulling up really quickly behind her. She just switches lanes and then he puts on his lights and pulls her over for failure to signal a lane change, which is just, it's just so sick. Like, so he pulls her over. Their interaction becomes heated and he pulls her from her car. Um, This is all recorded on the dash cam. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, If you've read Malcolm Gladwell's book, you can, um, in there, there's a bit of the transcript um, between the two of them of their interaction, which like is bone chilling reading it. Um, Because once you find out what happens, it's just like, it's you'll just have to trust me on it. Just either read Malcolm Gladwell's book or just YouTube, um, their interaction. Um, so you can watch it and and you can, you can hear it as well. Um, so after they move out of frame, he forces her on the ground and he arrests her. So the footage shows that Insignia's, um, tone and attitude change after he asks if Bland is irritated and she answers affirmatively. He initially wrote a routine traffic violation warning for Bland after she moved over, but didn't signal to let him pass since he was tailing her so closely. After he returns to her car and speaks briefly to her again, he asks her to put out her cigarette. And she responds by saying, why do I have to put out a cigarette in my own car? And then he says, get out of the car. And when she repeatedly refuses to exit, he tells her she's under arrest. But Bland repeatedly asks why she's under arrest, and Encenia responds, I'm giving you a lawful order, which you can, you can, of course, like, back to the YouTube thing, you can hear him saying it, and it's just like, what? Like, you can't, so he, she refuses to leave her car, stating that she is not under arrest, as she's unaware of the reason, and she's not obliged to, which I think that she's correct. Um, she hasn't done anything wrong, he, he you know, he then opens her car door and tells her more than a dozen times to get out of the car before trying to pull her out. And then after struggling, he draws his taser, points it at her and shouts, I will light you up, get out now. And at that point, he, um, she exits her vehicle. So once she's out of the car, Insignia orders her to put down her cell phone and tells her she's going to jail. And in response, Bland asks, why? Um, and in the video, both Bland and Insignia move to the passenger side of the vehicle. They're no longer visible. Um, and they continue to argue, um, pretty heatedly and you can hear Bland, uh, crying and screaming. (sighs) So eyewitness accounts. Okay. So there's a video that was recorded by a bystander, um, where you see Bland lying on the ground with Insignia and a female police officer above her. Bland is saying that she can't hear and states that the officer has slammed her head into the ground, which I don't know how this is, um, again, like how this 
is allowed. Um, same thing with, with George Floyd. Like, how is this kind of position um, of detaining someone allowed? Um, she tells the police that she's epileptic. Um, this is confirmed by police dash cam video footage in which the officer responds, good, <laughs> after Bland informs him of her condition. And in the video, um, Insignia orders the bystander to leave the area. Um, and Sandra Bland also recorded the arrest on her own cell phone. Um, and that video became public in 2019 and somehow was not part of the civil trial evidence, which is like the, the prosecutor and the defense, like you have to hand over the exculpatory evidence, um, both sides. Like this is how innocent people end up going to prison when one side doesn't hand over this evidence. So I don't know why that wasn't made public um, and given over as evidence from the start, but yeah. So um, the police stated that Bland was arrested because she kicked Insignia. She was charged with assaulting a public servant and the police said that she became argumentative and uncooperative during the arrest. Um, officers took her to the Waller County Jail and placed her in a cell alone because they deemed her a high risk to others. <laughs> After her arrest, Bland told her sister that the arresting officer had pushed his knees into her back and that she feared her arm was broken. Um, a Houston television station states it obtained a voice message left by Bland after her arrest in which she asked, how did switching lanes with no signal turn into all of this? So she's now we're going to fast forward to three days after her arrest. So she's been in jail for three days now for changing lanes without signaling because a police officer sped up behind her to force her to change lanes. That's where we're at. And this is most definitely, I feel like, would not happen to a white person. Um, so the police state that at 6.30 a.m. on July 13th, Bland refused breakfast and 30 minutes later told the jailer, I'm fine. Bland then asked via intercom how to make a phone call. And the captain, Brian Cantrell, stated that she was informed she could use the phone in her cell, but stated there was no record that Bland made any call that morning. Then police stated that at 9 a.m. Bland was found in a semi-standing position hanging in her cell. So two and a half hours after she asked to make a phone call, but then apparently doesn't. She's found dead in her prison cell, hanging. Okay. So the next day, shortly after noon, police issue a statement that Bland had been found dead in her cell and that they believed that she hanged herself. And on July 20th, one week after Bland's death, authorities released video from a motion-activated camera in the hallway outside of Bland's cell. The video shows no movement in and out of the cell from 7.34 a.m. to 9.07 a.m. And she is discovered by a female officer at that time, which led to resuscitation procedures being performed on her body. Um, her autopsy concluded that she died through asphyxiation and classified her death as a suicide. Police stated that Bland had used a plastic garbage bag to hang herself and the autopsy report showed that she had multiple abrasions on the right side of her back, slight abrasions on her wrist, 
and 25 to 30 healing parallel cuts on her left forearm that predated her arrest. So the initial toxicology report released by the medical examiner found a remarkably high concentration of THC for someone who had been in jail for three days, leading to speculation that Bland may have had access to marijuana while in jail. The assistant DA said that it was more likely that Bland had ingested a very large amount prior to her arrest. <laughs> okay. Um, a toxicologist for another county's um, uh, medical examiner agreed with the initial medical examiner, stating that the THC levels as high as Bland suggest she either had access to the drug in jail or... She was a consistent user of the drug, and her body had accumulated THC to the point that it was slowly releasing over time. <laughs> Come on. But, like, he added, I've never seen a report in the literature or from any other source of residual THC that um, three days after someone start stops using the drug. So, yeah, it, I mean... If you smoked that much and THC was releasing in your body over time, you'd just be constantly high. And it doesn't work that way because you have to keep going and buying the drugs. Like, that's how drug dealers make money. You have to keep going and buying them. If it just kept going, you would, you know, you'd be good or, or not, um, depending on, on how you view, on how you view it. But yeah, so they're saying that they've never, these medical examiners have never, ever seen this happen so definitely it's looking like um someone was giving her weed while she was in prison so bland's family and friends wanted an independent autopsy done saying it was unlikely she would have killed herself bland's family said that she was upbeat about the job she was about to begin at prairie view a&m university and in march bland posted a video to her facebook page in which she said she was suffering from a little bit of depression as well as PTSD, but her sister said that Bland had no medically diagnosed clinical depression. She had good days and bad days. So that's like anybody else, like, you know, who everyone's suffering from a bit of depression, right? I mean, everyone I know is, including myself, um, especially this past year. So a friend who spoke with Bland while she was in jail for the three days said that she was upbeat despite her arrest. And she said, it just makes no sense. Sandy was a soldier. She wasn't phased about it. So, it, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense that she killed herself. Um, within three days of her death, 200,000 people had tweeted her name and started an online petition calling for an investigation into her death. And on July 17th, about 150 protesters gathered outside the Hempstead jail chanting, no justice, no peace. Um, and by um, July 29th, 2015, at least 12 protests had been held for her around the country. Um, protesters were asking why she'd been stopped and talked about the alleged racial profiling, which I don't feel like is alleged. I feel like it just is. Um Reverend Jamal Bryant of the Empowerment Temple AME Church in Baltimore traveled to Chicago at the Bland family's request and called her death not a case of suicide, but homicide. And Texas State Senator Royce West um, called Bland's death suspicious. And after meeting with law enforcement and other officials to discuss the circumstances surrounding her death, he said 
The kind of information disclosed on Bland's intake form should have prompted jail officials to place Bland on suicide watch, meaning a face-to-face check on her welfare every 15 minutes instead of hourly checks. Um, yeah. So, And Texas is notoriously a Republican state. Um, so I feel like it, it's a... I mean, I don't know whether, you know, the Texas senator just had to say this to save face or face or whether he really believed it but um it's just everything everything in this case is wrong so the fbi and dps announced on july 16th that they had launched an investigation into bland's death and insignia you remember the the police officer who pulled her over was placed on administrative duties for violating procedures for traffic stops and was terminated by dps following his indictment on perjury charges so the waller county sheriff r glenn smith who ran the jail um where bland died had been placed in charge of waller county's investigation into her death um don't understand why the guy who was running the jail in which she died was (sighs) yeah Sorry, um, I don't know why he would be then placed in charge of her investigation. Like, um, but then he was suspended and fired um, as chief of police um, after alleged incidents of racism and brutality. Great. Um, let's let's move into policy violations in the jail. Okay, because yeah, so. According to CNN, a report from the Texas Commission on Jail Standards published on July 16th found that Waller County Jail guards violated policies by failing to do timely checks on inmates, which should be hourly. The report also stated that jail employees had not been adequately trained to deal with mental health problems, which, uh, I mean, I feel like that is the biggest thing, like, you have so many cases in the United States where you have a family member call the police and because one of their, someone in their family is, is having, um, um, an episode and, you know, it's definitely related to mental health and the police come and they shoot the person and it should be like, it's, (laughs) It should be, they should be de-escalated, um, and they, the, the police shouldn't even be there. It should be, like, counselors who come and, and talk to the people. There doesn't need to be any violence or weapons involved. Um, so, sorry, but the staff had, had not undergone the minimum of two hours of mental health training required by the state. A minimum of two hours of mental health training. Like, how is that? Like, I had to do four years for my degree. And these people have to do two hours? Like, it's just... On July 22nd, county officials produced intake forms that um, indicate that Bland had earlier attempted suicide. Which, okay, that's... But that doesn't mean that now, this time, she actually killed herself. Um, One questionnaire states that Bland took pills in 2015 after having a miscarriage. Um... And another form filed by a different jail employee says Bland attempted suicide earlier in 2014. And another form indicates that Bland had contemplated suicide within the past year, while another says she did not. So it all seems pretty inconclusive and uh, contradictory. And um, 
shouldn't, shouldn't, um, even really be, I don't know, taken into account so much. Um, having a miscarriage as a woman is one of the worst things that can happen. So of course she would have felt horrible after that. Um, so after, a, a, um, a white male prisoner hanged himself with a bedsheet in 2012, Texas state inspectors had also cited procedural failings by Waller County jail staff. So now it's three years later, you already have a male prisoner who has killed himself. And the Texas inspectors said that they, you know, failed at their procedures, but there's now it's 2015 here and it's still happening. So R. Glenn Smith, the Waller County Sheriff, stated that the jail staff may face disciplinary actions for their failures of not putting Bland on a suicide watch, not personally checking on her, and leaving the plastic bag that was fashioned into a noose. He said the actions could range from suspensions to transfers to terminations. And an inspection in 2018, so three years after her death, um, showed that the Waller County Jail was again not monitoring inmates correctly. All inmates were supposed to be monitored face-to-face at least hourly, and the jail staff exceeded that by two and a half hours. And certain inmates, including those who are um, assaultive or potentially suicidal, should be monitored every half hour, um, and that limit was exceeded by 74 minutes. Um you know, right after I graduated from, um, undergrad, I went and worked at a psychiatric hospital in Westchester, New York. And I mean, it, it borders on this kind of stuff. Like it, I, I only lasted there 11 months cause I just thought like the people, the kids and everything there were not getting the help that they need. I mean, that's for another day. If anyone's interested, I can go more into that but um it just seems like this is just runs rampant within the states so um let's talk about the investigation into um, her death and the charges against insignia so um in december 2015 um a county a county grand jury declined to issue an indictment in connection to bland's death and a special prosecutor said that the case was still open and the grand jury would meet again in January 2016 to discuss other aspects, which was widely assumed to include Insignia's actions during the traffic stop. So the following month, they indicted Insignia for perjury, which is a Class A misdemeanor with possible penalty of a one-year jail sentence and a $4,000 fine. Uh, um, the charge, this charge came from his statement in an affidavit that says that his reason for removing Bland from her car was to further conduct a safe traffic investigation, which we all know is a lie. And that's why he was indicted. Obviously the grand jury found that statement to be false. And that's when an arrest warrant for him was issued, but little Insignia was released on a $2,500 bond. And on June 28, 2017, a judge dismissed the perjury charge against him in return, but in return, he had to agree he would never seek, accept, or engage in employment in any capacity with law enforcement. So at least there's that. You're never going to see Insignia um, 
pulling you over again. That's for sure. Um, so Bland's, um, family filed a federal wrongful death lawsuit and a jury trial in that case was scheduled for January, 2017. The family sought unspecified damages from DPS, Insignia, Waller County, and the two jailers that were supposed to be watching her. And in September, 2016, Bland's family settled the lawsuit for $1.9 million, which you know, it's no amount of money is ever going to bring her back. And whether she did kill herself or not, um, yeah, it's, it's the jail's fault. And it, I mean, it's just, it's the whole system's fault. <sighs> the only positive thing, um, to come out of this, I guess, is the Sandra Bland Act, um, also known as Texas Senate Bill 1849 which went into effect on September 1st, 2017. And what the act does is mandate change to corrections and police policy when dealing with those with substance abuse or mental health concerns. It requires de-escalation training for police officers and mandates county jails to divert people with mental health and substance abuse issues towards treatment, makes it easier for defendants to receive a personal bond if they have a mental illness or intellectual disability, and requires that independent law enforcement agencies investigate jail deaths. So police officers are required to complete comprehensive racial profiling training and 40 hours of de-escalation training. And law, enforce law enforcement agencies will maintain records documenting race or ethnicity of all persons detained and whether the officer knew the individual's race or ethnicity prior to being detained. In addition, police officers will undergo training to limit use of force. And all law enforcement agencies are required to provide education to the public concerning complaint procedures. And more, okay? County jails are required to collect information used to make a determined determination of mental illness or intellectual disability, and a written assessment of collected information will be submitted to a magistrate and mental health expert if a potential substance abuse, mental illness, or intellectual disability exists. If need arises and is reasonable, pending charges may be suspended and an individual may be diverted to a treatment facility. And finally, in the event of a death in custody, the custodial agency will begin an investigation until a representative of an outside agency is on the scene. And in addition, electronic monitoring will be in place to ensure timely security checks for the welfare of those incarcerated. So the Sandra Bland Act, um, as amazing as it is, you know, all of these acts, you know, like Megan's law, um, they all come into play after something horrific happens. Um, so this, this case, um, as I said, I learned about it from reading Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. And I mean, that book basically, um, it's a phenomenal book, so I encourage anybody to get it and read it because it just, he, he's a phenomenal writer and what that book is about is just, you know, how 
such miscommunication can happen and how one person how one person says one thing can be taken in such a different way from the the person on the receiving end and one of the most interesting things about this the chapter on Sandra Bland which is the opening chapter is how it talks about you know if Encenia knew Bland you know, and he went and pulled her over, it would have been like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Um, Sorry, I pulled you over. Um, And then she'd be on her merry way. But since she's a stranger to him, he doesn't know her. He doesn't, and this in zero way excuses him at all. It simply, simply talks about um, how this miscommunication between strangers can lead to disaster. Um, And the examples given in that book are it's just super fascinating um you know one of them goes into uh winston churchill meeting with um hitler and how he thought it went their meeting went really well but in fact um it went horrible (laughs) um because then hitler you know began uh bombing uh london um so this this traffic stop i mean everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and the the traffic stop in and of itself um you know he shouldn't have been escalating to to pull her over um you know in the first place um but again i think it goes back to the police having this kind of um requirement of how many um you know, tickets they need to give out. Um, but you know, anybody tell, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause, cause maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's changed, but in 2015, I feel like, um, that, that was the case. And, um, you know, furthermore, I think since he had been known to be this guy who pulled people over in the hopes of finding something more criminal, like he should have been like, there's somebody should have taken him I don't know how this is his job. Um, I don't know how people can, I mean, get away with it for so long until finally they're caught. And in this instance, you know, I guess this would be him being caught. But regardless, this is just a horrible, horrible tragedy. Um, And yeah, that's that's the unfortunate story of Sandra Bland, Um, you know, I, I don't think she killed herself personally. I, it just, it, as her friends and family said, it, it doesn't make any sense. She was super happy to begin her new life and her job. Um, and just because she had previous suicide attempts allegedly, um, doesn't indicate that she would do it necessarily in the future, especially when the outlook, uh, for her life was, was so high and and was going well um and I don't believe there was any note or anything um it just doesn't make sense um it doesn't make sense so um I'm gonna sign off now um this will be as I said the last time that I record on my own the next time you'll be hearing from me um I'll be telling a story with someone else um and if you have a story and you're interested in being on, um, email or DM, or if you have my number, text me. Um, and thanks for listening.